how are you? Good, how are you? Good, so good to see you. No, where are you? I am in Chicago, where are you? Hold on, my wireless connection is terrible. Hey, you glitched a second. Okay, I think it's working now. Um, I, I said that I'm in Chicago, where are you? Oh, I'm also like home on Long Island. Are you like, I'm with my parents, so. I was, for the first month and a half of quarantine, I was at my mom's house, but now I'm back at my apartment. Uh, okay, how's that? Are you by yourself or with a roommate? No, I, my, I live with my best friend. <gasps> okay, that's amazing, good. I was living with my best friend and then we both went home and now we like, yeah. it's funny because we lived in the city together, but now we live like half a mile apart and we haven't yeah. seen each other in like weeks. <laughs> I know. That probably would have happened too, but my friend had her boyfriend here, so it she stayed. But yeah, are you in school still? Are you still? No, I'm working. I've been working remotely um, for the last right. two months. Relatable. <laughs> Where are you? What are you doing right now? Well, you weren't in school what, last summer. You were. No, no, I I was. I've been working remotely. I've been teaching remotely. Really? Cool. How is that? It's been good. It was weird because like I, I didn't have a full-time job this year. Also, this is being recorded. So whoever is interested in our lives, being <laughs> recorded. Um, but no, I was, um, I was a long-term substitute for the choral director at a private school in the city because um, he was on paternity leave. And so I was in that job for like four weeks when school closed. And so then I started and piloted the remote learning for the, for the choir classes. So they actually kept me on as like an assistant. So I've been, now I'm not working as full-time as I was more just like here and there as like an assistant co-teacher when needed, but it's, it's been very interesting <laughs> for sure. I miss the kids though. I really do. Like we've been watching, they've been submitting part checks of them singing and stuff. And I'm just watching them. I'm like, oh, I miss them. Like I want to be with them. How old are most of your students? Um, did you say how old? So at this school, I work with fifth through high school. So oh, okay. wide range. But I I'm a music teacher at Hebrew school. And um, those kiddos are like, <laughs> I've been Zooming with like kindergartners through third graders. And it's the funniest thing. <laughs> kindergartners on Zoom is the funniest thing in the world. So anyway, yeah. What have you, what, what have you been, what have you been doing? What's your work? Yeah, so I work in finance, um, and so it's been it's been fine. Like my first year working was like not even a year yet, which is crazy. Yeah, but it was good, um, and I really like my job. And like I was looking for like to move closer to work, and then all this happened, and so now it's like I just I'm moved everything out crazy. of my apartment and into my parents' basement, Ugh. and I don't know, just take it day by day until I feel comfortable going back to Manhattan. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Manhattan does not. Yeah. Good. You're, you're, you're where you need to be. <laughs> right now. Hey, Brenda. Hello. Hey. How are you guys? I know, summer 2019 reunion. I know. Right. For real. What's <laughs> your is usually here? Like, yeah. On time. Hope she's okay. I hope she's okay too. Yeah. I, I don't even remember. Did I, was I here last week? I don't think I was no. last week. I didn't make yeah. it last week. Yeah, last week I was in the middle of finals, so I was like, I can't, like... How was that? Oof, it was, it was good, it was okay. Is it your last semester, Brenda? Yeah, I graduated. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah. 
<laughs> so I'm done. It's it's over. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but now I'm just living at home with my parents. It's really what I imagined doing after <laughs> post grad, <laughs> moving back to my parents' house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I've been I've been in Texas since March, um, so I've been home for three months now, and it's been it's been something to say the least. It's an adjustment. But I think in Texas they're starting to open up stuff, right? Yeah, they did. They did start to open. Um, it was pretty controversial. Uh, people were not like there's a lot of people that were against it. Like in my like where I live, like we had like cases still sky skyrocketing like before they opened and then they opened and then they went up even higher and everyone was really upset but yesterday it seems like it, it dropped a bit so there's hope we're seeing what's going on um but it's been it's been really crazy here yeah they arrested a, i don't know if you guys saw they arrested a hair salon lady who like opened while like the shutdown was going on and like then they arrested her for opening and she was like why are you arresting me like I'm only trying to feed my kid like you know she didn't have any income coming in and like they arrested her and but they let her out because the governor said like you can't arrest somebody simply for like trying to feed their family like that's insane like like that's literally crazy and so they let her go um it's been it's been so it's been nuts <laughs> <sighs> where are you where are you guys are okay yeah okay. everyone's good good yeah Thank same God. here thankfully sarah are you in chicago yeah and ariel you're in new york or yeah long island oh, nice cool long yeah. island new york long island. i know it's like really bad there yeah um i think haven't haven't there been drops in in cases in new york yeah, it's gotten better for sure, but the thing we is, had... I don't much about it getting better in Chicago. No, I actually I saw, had... I was listening last night, that it was actually getting, like, that it was still bad in Chicago. Yeah, like, I, it is. yeah. It is. Oof. It's scary. Yeah, no. I ha yeah, I haven't heard much about Chicago, but I, I know that, like, New York had, I think, something like almost half the deaths of the country. <gasps> Emma! Emma! This is such a reunion. <laughs> It is such a reunion. Hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I'm glad. I feel like usually, I, I don't know which one thing you guys have been joining, but like the Parsha class is one that I like, I block on my calendar at work so I can join in because I really yeah, this like is it. My consistent one that I always join. Yeah, this is my consistent one, but usually I feel like the, like the most of the people on this call are like whoever the like current mm -hmm. Mayan girls yeah. are. And I'm like, I'm going to just turn my video off because no one knows who I am. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I do, I've been joining Rivka, Rivka Cohen. Um, I've been joining her like Mickey Lot Root class. Yesterday was so Ooh. good. She's I so wanted good. to do that and then I wasn't able to make it work with my schedule. She's my so schedule. good. Like, I'm I love so her. Crazy. I'm but, uh, just like, hey, you're a teacher with students. Someday. Your job's more important than mine. No, no, no. no. Yours is very important. She's so funny. She's so Israeli. Yeah. Like, yesterday, she's, she was just like, she was talking about Lagba Omer yesterday, and she's like, so usually, like, on Lagba Omer, like, people go to Maron, and, like, they, th they do, like, the, like, the bonfire, and, like, it's, like, a huge thing. It's, like, really, really crazy. Like, last year, they had almost 600,000 people, I think, 
Um, and like this year, she's like, they're only letting three like uh, bonfires. Tahila. Yeah. Hi. Shalom. Oh, Hello. Oh my gosh, what is that? Much Oh my gosh, so much better now. Good. <laughs> First time I'm trying on the phone. I don't know why my laptop doesn't work. Also, the phone works good, though. Yeah, this looks great. You really well. See you guys. You're glowing. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? Oh my god. Good. How about you? How's your family? Good. Good. Wait, are you are you um teaching partial class today? Today? Right now? Is is this is this is this It's supposed to be, but I think they switched for this week. Oh then. Hello Amazing. Can't I switched with Rivka Maga so because yesterday was a lag bonus I couldn't. Oh, you wanted, ah, sorry, you were expecting to come on now? Yeah, are you kidding me? This is wonderful. This is a great surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done Pasha, but she told me just to switch it. Thank you. <laughs> but she told me to switch. So, so I, uh, I said, okay, so we're doing, so I'm doing Navi. Is that okay? Yeah, 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 for sure. So I can only see whoever talks. So how many are we now? Nine-ish? Really? Yeah. Okay. Nine people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Okay. Fine. It's funny. I don't have no idea. If you, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you swipe to one page over, you can see multiple, you can see at least four people on your phone at a time. Oh. Uh, nope. Didn't work. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Can we dedicate this shield to um, the Khayal who was killed this morning is real time oh, yeah. definitely yes i didn't hear about Not it, it? Mm -mm. oh really so about uh four o'clock in the morning is real time <clears throat> he, they they entered a hostile um arab village in shamron like west bank because they were supposed to get some uh, suspects like terrorist team some of them who actually stoned vehicles and it's an ongoing like regular activity and he's Golani. So they were, he was like walking with his friends towards his house to get the, the terrorist team out. And uh, they, this, from the window above, they threw like a big block or a stone on his head and he got killed. And he was an only son to his parents. Why, why, why? His father is like, whoa, all over the place. And his girlfriend and his father are like, whoa, we're not getting up tomorrow morning. It's crazy. So the funeral is right now, actually. It's between, it's now towards the end of the funeral. Usually when there's something like that, then thousands of people come. Like everybody that it touches, right. right. Now because of the corona, so there's only like, much less, still a lot, but much less, and everybody's with masks. So it makes it even like more tragic and more very sad. So his name is Amit. Amit, his father's name is Baruch, so it's Amit Ben Baruch. His family's name is Benigal, but that's his family. Was he wearing a, a helmet? Because that's what I didn't Ken, understand when I read about it. Okay. 
he was so like the stone like cracked his helmet like like it like the helmet like so there's either it's cracked his helmet or i think what happened what i understood but i'm not 100 sure is that they were stoning them from above so he so he like lifted his head to see where his, to, he lifted his head and then like it crashed on like on his Oof. yeah right yes so he didn't suffer much because uh because of such a blow that like he was like he died pretty fast so he didn't suffer much but um well crazy and and also and the whole village is like celebrating they have all their whatsapps and, and, and facebooks and everything they're like uh today is like a happy day party day and they have music blown full like full volume all over the all over the, the village and they're giving each like we like uh, baklawot and like it's like a holiday because they killed him. So yeah, I'm a little bit into it now because the funeral just now and uh, it's hard because for Bo Hashem for a long time we didn't have like any casualties. So whenever it breaks, whenever like the breaks, so it's, it's just difficult, it's just difficult. I mean, it's, like, ah, it's just difficult. Okay, so the thing is, if you're an only child, then then um, you don't have to go to you don't have to go to the army. You ha you probably go to the army, but you don't have to go to combat. You have to go to Golani or something combat like that. But unless you and if you do, you have to have your parents sign that they're okay with it because you're an only son. So his father didn't want to sign because he said, "What? You're my only son? No, no, no way." And then and then he really asked he, because he was that, uh, at high school. He's 21 years old. High school. He went to Poland. And then after being in Poland, he was like, uh, it's so important after that he was crying and we have to do it. It's so important we have to defend the Jewish people wherever we are. So he like, he really made it, like he, he really begged his father to sign. So his father did sign and I was regretting it. But so it's very, very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. so this shield, what? I just said hi to Nora. <laughs> ah, hi Nora. <laughs> So I can't, I can't see, but okay. So Zeo, so, so we'll dedicate this year, whatever we can, I hope like it to be focused on whatever we can, we'll dedicate it to Amit Ben Baruch. Amen. Sada? Sada. Any more questions before we start? No. Okay, Besedu. So, fine. So, we are in Sefer Shmuel. <laughs> Shmuel Perek Kaf, which I think we just did Perek of Dalin. Right? <clears throat> yes. So, whoever wasn't in class, it's, uh, we have to maybe recap a little bit because um, we're kind of, you know, continuing. We have like a continuation. So, basically, if I will try to like put it in a nutshell, um, also know that all I, all I see now is Sarah, whoever wants to speak, so we have to, I don't know. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine, it's fine. But I, if anybody wants to say something, I just can't see. So I'm just saying. <laughs> it's okay, you're a pretty sight. Wait, why do you only see Sarah? Why? Shalom. Shalom. You should why? Be able to see four people on your phone, but it's okay. I have an old phone. Ah. 
Oh, you're on your... There's not even an icon. You're not able to scroll yes. through? Well, if I scroll, then I just... No, I, I tried that. It doesn't work. Oh, chaval. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of us here. Thank you. <laughs> there's, t there's 10 of us. There's 10. Okay, great. I mean, I'm just, if, you, if anybody wants to say something, just then just like, I don't know, make yourself appear like Noah just did or like now Brenda just did. So, so otherwise I can't, I don't know. I'm just saying. So, so we'll try. In a nutshell, as we said, it's uh, Shaul HaMelech, the first king is, Rod is chasing after David. David was anointed by Shmuel, but he's an, he's like an undercover king. He's the underdog and nobody knows that he's like uh, the next king. And so it's two kings. Um, together, like parallel, one is actually ruling, and the one other one is like just behind the scenes. In the meantime, he the other one is becoming stronger and stronger. And but the first one, Shaul, was now king um, par excellence, like ruling. He's chasing after David because he suspects David is going to take after is taking after him, and he doesn't like the idea, and he has like these depressions because. Ruach Hashem, it says Ruach Hashem, like his, the godly spirit, the, the divine spirit that he had before, he even had Nivua, prophecy, but he, he, he lost it. And then from high up from being so spiritual, he's, he goes into the depth. So he's like from one extreme to the other. And the last thing we said last time was they were, there was a very, very close chase. And you remember what happened? Anybody there? But that I cannot see. Ah, okay, what happened was... Shaul was so close, and then he got to the cave where David and his people were hiding in the same cave. If you, if you go to these caves in, in Midbar Yehuda, you can see them. They have a lot of uh, intersections and like, all these little rooms coming from the big room. So he was there in the dark, and Shaul went into the cave to do his stuff. Like He was he's supposed to um, relieve himself. He didn't know that in the back of the cave was David, David and his men. And then while he was doing whatever he was doing, he like hung his cloak and David quietly came and cut a piece of his cloak. His people, David's people said, take the opportunity and king the king and kill Shaul HaMelech. King, this is your opportunity to kill him because he's chasing you to kill you. So you now have the opportunity to kill him. But David did not want to do, such a, did not want to do it. Of course, he said, who am I to do such a thing to touch the Mashiach? Mashiach is the one who is anointed by the prophet by and he says God's choice being the king and the leader of the Jewish people. I can't touch Mashiach. Can you imagine killing Mashiach? So even though I'm the next Mashiach, says David, still I cannot do that. And then he coined a phrase that we use till today, a very strong phrase. We said it last time. I think that's where we ended, but remind me. The, the phrase was Mirishaim Resha. Bad comes if anything bad comes from you, if you are even if you didn't do it intentionally, but something bad comes from you, then you have to check yourself because Mirishaim Yetzirisha. Ken, is this uh, kind of where we got to? Anybody yes. here from the last time? Yes, I think so. Ken? Ah, Shalom, Sarah, Shalom, good to see you. Okay, fine. So now we can continue. So um, I think what we'll try to do. First of all, because I told you, like, Tehila, which parak are we on? So, like, I'll open it like on my are... computer, so then we can follow along. Yes. Shmuel Aleph, Perek Kafdalid, twenty-four, chapter twenty-four. Chapter twenty-four. And in order to get you a little bit more involved, what we'll, what we were going to do is also whoever wants. If you don't, 
it's fine. I can't even see you. I told you so. But whoever wants, we'll go one by one, and then, like we do in class, you read a pasuk and kind of try to translate it. Tehila, I don't have a copy because I'm going for a walk, but I'm just gonna listen. Hey, shalom, mashlomech. Tov. Mesayder gamur. Thank you. Good to know you're there. Always here. <laughs> I didn't even know. Okay, you, you are literally the cutest. I can't. <laughs> I love you. Why? So much. <laughs> Just oh, thank you. Always. Wow. How did I deserve this? Thank you. <laughs> How did we? What did we do to deserve you? Oh, come on. <laughs> Fine. What? I just feel embarrassed a little bit for a second, but I'll get over it, don't worry. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, you want to go first since I've seen you? You want to try to, yeah, your Hebrew is good. You can try, go. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have it in front of me. Darn. Ah, excuses, excuses. So how are you going to follow? So open up, okay, so we'll skip you, but open up um, if you can. One second. Shmuel, out of Perek 24. Yes, but popcorn to somebody who has it open. Okay, who has it open? Who's there and has it open? Wait, I'm still kind of confused. Sorry, Perek Aleph Pasuk 24 or Perek 24? No. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Shmuel, Sefer Shmuel, it yeah. has two volumes. It's Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Bet. Right. So we are in Shmuel Aleph. Yeah. Perek, Perek Hafdalet. Chapter 24. Okay, okay. I, sent it, I sent it in the chat. There's a link to Chabad.org. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Yep. My, my laptop is still loading, you see? <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to go. No, Pasuk, we're at the already. Um, but let's do Pasuk Yudalid. Pasuk that means 14. Verse 14. Okay, I have it now. Yes. Do you want to go then? So, oh. so it starts oh. with, no, I, I, I can't if you want it. It starts with, okay, go, go. Kasher, right? Uh, that's, that's 13. That's where we stopped last time. That's just what I said now that he said, so now you're doing 14. Oh, that's, that's, that's 15. Oh, yes. I forgot there's two versions for that. Okay. So for you, it's 15. Okay. Can you want to try? Well, Either with the translation over there or with your own uh, Hebrew, whatever goes, whatever if you want. Translation. <laughs> but, um, after whom has the king of Israel come forth? So, um, asking a question, who are you Ken. searching for? A dead dog? Ken. A single I know, it's not, it's not, <laughs> I mean, it's not a popular um, expression used to be. <laughs> I'm just a dead dog. You don't say that. You use dogs in different ways. Use a female dog, you use different things. <laughs> 
You don't say that today. But that was the slang back then. So, yes. Who are you? Like, who are you chasing? You are the king of Israel. Next to you, I'm just like a Kelev Mit. Get it? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, not worthy. Huh? Like, I am not worthy. I'm nothing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Parosh means, parosh is something, is, I think you say in English, all of them just just to chase after me who am like exactly who am I that you the king of Israel are chasing after? Okay? Next, who's next? Who is it going to be on the screen? Hi Sahila. It's Hi Ah Good. I don't think I have But my... I can't see you. Oh, hold on. How's married try. life? Okay, not now. Fine. Hashem. Hold on one second. Let me switch here. Okay. Um, I have this pulled up. Okay, so we're on 16. Yes. Oh, no, now we're on 15. It starts with Vihaya Hashem. Okay. Vihaya Hashem, the Dayan, the Shafat. Beni uvenecha veyere veyarev et rivi veis veish pateni meyadecha. I have the translation here. Um, and the Lord <laughs> shall become a judge, and he shall judge between me and you, and he shall see and plead my cause and exact justice for me from your hand. And what from your hand? It says, and exact uh, justice from me from your hand. So that's going to need a translation. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <An> exact. <laughs> Probably it's better that be... we just read the Hebrew, not the English. <laughs> okay, except for that word that was threw me off, but the rest was good. <laughs> Uh, Ken, basically saying, right, so Hashem should judge between us because I'm innocent and you're chasing me and want to kill me, so Hashem should be is the true judge and he will see if you're right or wrong. Ken? Like he's appointing Hashem to be the judge between him and Shaul and Shaul Melech. Okay? Clear? To. Yeah. Next. So, what's, how is this going to go? How, where is this leading us to? Who's next? I'm sure somebody else wants to read. I'm, I'm not going to force anyone. I don't even see who's there, but I'm sure there's more than one to read. I'll go. Okay. Um, okay. And we are on here. Oh, by he... Uh, Kekalot David le le dever et hadevarim ha ele el Shaul ve beomer Shaul ha ha kaklech zebene David ve veisa Shaul ki kolo ve kolo ve ve yevach. And it was. So you see, there's a dot in the chapsuki. Yeah. 
Well, you see, you see the, the, the dot in the khaf sufit, so that makes it like a kaf. So instead of saying vayevch, you say vayevk, like a K. Oh, vayevk. And it was when exactly. David finished speaking. Exactly, right. Oh. oh, and it was when David finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul raised his voice and wept. Exactly. So a second ago, he was chasing him to kill him. <laughs> but now after hearing David, I guess David is, what he said now was so from his heart. Like he, what he was saying, like, it, it was, you could see why he wrote Tehillim, you know? This is so, he's not, he's saying, he's saying the truth from his heart. He's saying, who are, I'm just a flea, like, who are you wrote? It's just so simple, but it's so true. And I guess when you speak truth, sometimes it just penetrates the heart of the person who's, who's listening. So it like breaks him down. And like he totally, the mask is like off. And he, say, and he calls him Bani David, my son David. It could be either my son because the age difference, the generation, the gap, or also he really is his son. Like he's his son-in-law because he married her, his daughter. So it's accustomed to call him like he called him before Abba. So he now calls him again son, and he says, he realizes he's chasing, he was about to kill his, his daughter's husband, like his son. Get it? This is, this is a total 180 degree twist. Okay, next pasuk, who's on? Noah, you don't want to read? Who is it? Ah, okay, so I'll go. Vayomer el David Sadik Atami Meni. Iata Gimaltani Atovab Ani Gimalti Ha Ha. Good. I like your accent. Yes. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rendered unto me good, whereas I have rendered unto thee evil. Yes, he's recognizing the truth. You are more justice than I is one word in Hebrew. Tzaddik. Atat tzaddik mimeni. So you are more tzaddik. You're more of a tzaddik than I am. Because I, I did you bad. And you, even though I was doing you bad, you did not pay me back bad. But you were, you could have killed me and you didn't. That's it. Okay. Who's next? Okay, I can read. Okay. Okay, Vata Higadita Hayom, and you told me today? No. You said at Asher Asita Iti, what you have done with me, Tova. Wait, I don't know how to break this. Wait, Asher Asita Iti Tova, that you have done good with me. At Asher Sidani Hashem, that Hashem has protected me. Is that it? No. Sigani Mamila Sagur? No? Yeah. So like closed. So is it not like shielded or like protected? Continue a little bit more. Yeah, Decha, the low. Kind of the opposite. Continue and you'll see. Oh. Wait, okay, so Atasher Sigrani Hashem Beyadecha the Haragtani. Oh, that Hashem like closed me into your hand that like you could have done anything to me, Velo Haraktani, and you did not kill me. Exactly. Yafe. 
So, yeah, he accepts what David told him. Next, who's on? We can do round B. Come on, come on, you guys want to read, just go. By order, even. I can read, but I lost my place. Can you remind okay, me? Okay, go. Uh, I think probably now on Pasuk Chaf, then. Okay. Uh, 20? so um, my translation says, for when a man finds his enemy, does he send him away safely? And may the Lord repay you with goodness for what you have done to me on this day. Um, that immediately made yes. me of Israel. Wow. So appropriate. Because I just, regardless of who's injured, you know, the Israeli hospitals will treat a victim, a terrorist, it doesn't matter because they're human. So that's just what, that's what immediately popped up in my head. Anyway. We try to follow the Riz way, I guess, but usually uh, in, this, in this Pasuk, I was like, I was totally for, I thought it's so, it's so nice of David, but what you said, usually I'm against it. <laughs> I mean, usually I think we go too overboard saving the other side, or as we call them, the others. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I think it's crazy because uh, if you, since you mentioned it, the rule is that you have to treat whoever is uh, more like the more severe the injury. That's who gets treated treated first, treatment first. That's the rule. Does it matter if so it's terrorist? It, exactly. No, that's that's the thing. How do you know who to, who to give treatment crazy. first? It doesn't, the first thing you just, yes, that's the rule that goes by, by IVF. You see whichever treatment needs more treated. And then that's, you go court. that's your criteria. You treat the, whatever needs treatment first, regardless of where you don't start seeing. It makes sense only because sometimes you waste time by seeing is this, who is this? Is this the bad guy or the good guy? But again, it doesn't make, I think, well, that's my opinion that, we should take another second or whatever usually or even less to see and give our people treatment before the enemy because I think that's crazy. So, yeah, yeah that's messed up. <laughs> right. Um, I will up, read. Uh, oh, no, it's a little bit What? Um, should I read Khafala? Yes. Um, and now behold, oh, sorry. Um, Israel. 
Veatahine, and now behold, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. Veatahine. Um, yeah, and now behold. Veadti. Sorry, I need to get my glasses. Veadati. Um, and that you will reign, and the kingdom of Israel. Kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Yeah. Right. This is the okay. first time so that he actually admits and says clear What? He admits what? That he admits to David that he knows that he's that he David is going to be the king. The prophecy, the thing is, it's really, it, it hurts him because, I mean, the prophecy was after Shaul sinned, this was before, I mean, what we learned in class, but we started here in the middle. But before he, Shaul HaMelech sinned, and then Shmuel, who was the prophet, told him that from now on, you should know because you sinned, then, uh, then God is now, Hashem now decided to remove the, the kingship from you. And give it to someone better than you. That's like, ouch, you know? So now he's saying, uh, the fact that he's admitting that now he knows that David is the one who's going to be the king after him, it's like, he's admitting you're better than me. All he's saying is, I know you are better than me. I was going to kill you, and you, instead of killing me when you had a chance, you didn't. You're a better person than me. I am king now, but I know that you're going to be the king, just as the prophecy said, that the kingship is going to belong to the better man. And it's like everything he's saying is admitting that you are a better person than I am. We said one thing that Shul has is, is uh, modesty. He's, he's humble and he has modesty. So here's where you see it. He's saying it. You're, everything he says is well, like saying that you are a better person than me. So in a way, you know. You, so Hila, that was also part of this um, last chapter of Pirkei Avot last week. Um, so I was studying in the class, one of the lines was, was about humility. And like our whole class was talking about what does it mean to be humble? Um, and what is humility? So I just thought it was nice. interesting. It's, it's been a common thread now. <laughs> Yofi, that's best. When you have a common thread, that's really, that means you're also, wow, that's great. That means you're in a good place, spiritually, you know? It's like the I cosmos too, the heavens are with you. Isn't it this week's Omer? Like Netza isn't... Netzach humility? I don't know. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Week five, right? Now I don't know. That's all we think. Hang on, I have it. I have it. <laughs> yeah, today is actually, yeah. like, actually not Israel, but still it's Hod Shebehod. Cool. Yeah, it's Hod. It's humility. Hod, Hod, yeah. Cool. Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Here we go. <laughs> what is What? What does that mean about the guy who was killed today? He was killed in Hod Shebahod Amit. Bin Baruch. Sorry, sorry to bring down that uh, thing again. No, it's okay. Really Shall I'm, we like, I'm really glad that you're dedicating it for him. It feels really important to have something to do for his memory. Ken, they asked also to say to get in for him because uh, well, you weren't here maybe at the beginning, but the funeral, usually funerals like this are huge. And uh, thousands of people attend, and all the chayyim, all the soldiers, and everyone, because especially since it's like 
in a long time, Baruch Hashem, we didn't have any casualties. But now because so, but now because of the Corona, it was much less. People came with masks, and it was so like, ah, there's there is so much more than that, you know. So right, the president uh, gave a eulogy for him, and and the Minister of Defense Bennett also spoke to the, to the father, etc. But still, usually it's people go, people just instinctively feel like going and naturally go to the kibbutz and to the funeral, and and it wasn't like this this time because of the corona. So everybody was just asked to. The funeral was at six o'clock, so between six and seven, people were asked to like stop for a second and just say Tehillim for him. So we started at seven, so it's a perfect time to dedicate the shul to him. Yeah. Is it unusual okay. for people for the news to release information about the soldiers who died? No, um, we're very we're even a hyper democratic country, so there's no way that uh, somebody's going to die and, no, and people are not going to know about it. It goes. It flashes fast. Like you have to, um, there's, we're not going to conceal that somebody was killed. Everybody knows his name and uh, there's always somebody who knows the family and like the, the details. He's a, he was an only son and everything and everybody cries, you know, it's a big deal. Maybe sometimes if it's, if it's a secret uh, operation, then he won't say like how it happened, the details, what happened exactly. But this wasn't even a secret, secret operation. Golani usually don't have secret operations so much. Golani are like straight, they go, they do the stuff, you know? <laughs> um, so it wasn't secret. And like, yeah. They just waited till the full, his immediate family knew about it, till the family knew about it and got the bad, uh, the bad um, news. And then they, and then they did um, publicize his name. Okay. Okay. Shall we try to continue? Because we're dedicating it for him. So we should try to continue. And my first instinct, really, because it was so beautiful day, so it was like, I don't, I, I thought, wow, I didn't even, I thought, I can't even Zoom today. I can't even teach because I was so into it. But then that's it. I thought we have to. And also, that, was, that helped me to think that if we dedicate this to him, then. Like it means more and it helped me like, you know, try to, I try to focus and we should learn anyways and increase light instead of letting the, those Arabs decrease life and light. I feel like I really okay. get what you're I mean. Yeah, because last year, the day that the shooting happened in San Diego, which is where I was in college, I had an event planned for that night. Um, and everyone like text started pouring into my phone, like it's happening. And I was like, of course it's still happening. It has to happen really, really hard to run a social event, like the night, like a few hours after the shooting. And it was really important. It's like one of the best, I think it's one of the most important things I did on campus. So I think, it, yeah, like it's really hard, but it's really important to be together after something like that happens. Okay. Right. Thank you. Then there was another attempt, I don't know if everybody here knows, but there's another attempt uh, to stab a soldier. So in Kalandia, but the but Hashem, it was stopped and nobody was injured. I mean, only the only the Arab that tried to stab was injured. And that's it. There was a few other attempts. Also, they also tried, because once they, once they succeed, so then it gives them like uh, motivation, everybody starts to copy. And then there's also a lot of stoning all over the place. So they stoned someone next to Gush Etzion, but then it turns out that the driver was actually, it was actually an Arab car and the driver was an Arab woman. So she got the stone and she's injured lately. 
just saying. So, I, no, but just to see, like, oh, no, no, say what? No, I, I didn't want to like oh, go like going about it, but like I just had a curiosity. Like they weren't like doing like what, I mean, like if they were just there arresting people. So like, are they the ones that like dress? They're not the ones that like dress up as Arabs and like go and like do, like. Yeah. Mistel, no. those are called Mistel. Yeah. No, he wasn't there. He was, they were just Golani, when you hear Golani, Ken, Golani is usually like the most simple, like it's the most basic, simple actions. They just go do their stuff. You know, very like boys that just do their stuff. No, nothing sneaky, nothing. Just very, just simple by the book, what you have to do with a lot of ruach uh, and a lot of uh, spirit and a lot of motivation, but nothing too com- like complicated. I'm saying nothing too complicated. Of course, I don't think, like you and me can do it, but it is more complicated than that. But not 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 like you know sophisticated. That's what I mean. Okay. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like. Yeah. That. Hmm. yeah. So I can, I can keep reading. More questions or something? Okay, go. Uh, we are on. Twenty-two. Twenty-two, right? Yeah. Ten. Okay. Uh, I can't see. Oh my god. What? What? Um, it's the 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 raya charei veim tish tishmid et shema 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 Okay. Yes, and and now swear to to me by by the Lord that you will not cut off my my seed, and you will not destroy my name from my father's house. Ken. Well, everything goes back to what we said now about uh, Amit, because he's, uh, because he was an only child, so it's like here. He's saying, he's saying, swear to me that you won't, uh, you won't, lachrit means, lachrit. What was already said to destroy? To totally finish off? My, right, my, my family. It's like saying, Get it? Get it? Do you understand what he's saying? It's like he's, he know, he's like accepts and he knows that he is going to die and David is going to take after him. So he's now he's not even asking for himself. He's like already said that you're the better man, but now he just he's just telling him swear to me that you won't kill my offsprings, like my the next generation, my my children, and won't like finish off the name of my father, like my get it. My family name. Don't cut off my Which, family line. Don't eliminate my my family. Exactly. Which we would think, why on earth would it happen? He didn't even kill him, his chief chaser. So why would he kill the rest of his family? And don't forget that he's married to the, his to Shaul's daughter. So, <laughs> and the, his best friend is Yonatan. We talked about Yonatan in the past. So Yonatan is Shaul's son, and he's best friends with David. So. It seems like, of course, like, why are you even asking that? But he's, he's, I don't know, he just wants to be sure, I guess. You never know what's going to happen in the future. And the fact is that you're going to take after me. And 
just it just says swear to me that you won't finish off my uh, right my branch. It makes it sounds like it doesn't make sense, but if you take in account what usually happens, then even if you see, you know what? There's was I remember somebody who was at Shoshi, I think she asked me, how come people like us? I like to see sometimes National Geographic, you know, on that channel on TV, National Geographic. And you, what, what, what is the point of seeing, let's say, animals eat other animals or all these things? But I think I try to think about it. And I think what I like is that you just see, sometimes when you see things like that in nature, you just see like the, the raw, simple instincts and, the, and just the, the basics because it's animals. So you see the basics and every, we as people, we consider ourselves so much more complex and sophisticated, you know, but um, at the very end, we're, we all have those basic instincts or those basic um, yetzer and it's just so much simple to see animals do it and then to understand that whatever we do, sometimes we just cover up, what we do the same as them, we just cover it up more in a way. I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, but it was very, what I'm saying, I'll give you an example. If a lion comes over, like if a lion has a few, let's say, female lions, I don't know how you say in English, then comes a younger lion and then he challenges him. And then let's say he wins and then he, get, and he kills the older lion. And then he takes over all the women lions, lionese, the lioness, lionettes, I don't know, Leviot. What he does is, you see that in nature, what he does is, the first thing he does, he kills the offsprings of the old lion. Which is so, sounds so cruel, but he does that. He, take, he gets rid of like anything genetical of the, the lion that he just killed. And then he starts all over again, like to build a new family with all the women lions. And sounds like, it sounds so cruel, but we see from history that also past kings, when they took over other kingships, the first thing you see it from history, I'm sure I'm, it's not new for you from whole, like, all the history. You see it all the time. The first thing that they do is to try to kill all the, the, the next generation so that nobody will, will try to kill. The first thing you do is you get rid of the next generation. So what he's saying here is not that, maybe he doesn't think that he hates him, but for political reasons, it would make sense. You get rid of the older, of the other branch. And it's even a different tribe, like Shaul is from the tribe of Benjamin, David is from the tribe of Yehuda. So like maybe he wants now to restart and establish a new line of, of kingship. I mean, from then on till today, we say Mashiach ben David. He's the line, he's a new lineage of, of Mashiach and that's it. So it would make sense to first maybe, you know, get rid of the old lineage. So he says, please just swear to me that you won't. I know you're going to be king this, but just let my family live. Okay, can I see faces? <laughs> no. Hello. <laughs> oh. So I didn't have to. I didn't. I didn't put turn it turn it to the right or to the. I just had. There's a button over here. I mean, it doesn't matter. Now I see four of you. <laughs> but is it clear what we just said? Capish. Capish. Okay. Fine, this is very intense. We're almost finished the chapter. Who wants to read next? I think it's my turn. Sorry, I was like, okay. my computer's glitching. Um, Chaf Gimel, 
right? Ken. Okay. Vishava David le Shaul, and David swore to Shaul, Va Yelech Shaul el Beto, and Shaul went home. Vidavid Vanashav Alu al Hamutsuda, and David and his men went up to the like fortress. Yes, nice. How do you know that word? That was a hard one. Isn't what what's Mitsuda David? Yeah, that's the name of a hotel in Yerushalayim. <laughs> uh, city, David no, Citadel, I, I think it's called. I wish I knew hotels in Yerushalayim. <laughs> I don't know. I must know it from like davening or something. <laughs> Probably it's in Tehillim you have it, Allah. Yes. Oh, wait. It's the, it's the commentary on Tehillim, right? Ken, 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 Ken. And also on Navi, you have that comment in there. Mitsudat David and Mitsudat Sion. Nice. It's, he's also on uh, Navi, also on Shmuel, you have him. I have him here, actually, in this book. Yes. Right. So, he, so he swears, and Shul goes back to his house, and David goes to his fortress. Is this a happy ending? Hello? So far, so good. Mm -hmm. Okay, now yeah. you're better. Is this a happy ending, you think? Mm. I'll give you a hint. It's a, a little neutral. Question. It's a little neutral. What? What? It sounds Ken. It sounds neutral. Like, okay, cool. Like, then they left. The end. <laughs> right. If you think of it, I think if you really try to think of it objectively, then if you were instead of Shaul and you made all these things and you admitted and everything, the next thing that you should have done is, is really okay. So let's, let's have like a, a, like a, you call it in Hebrew, you say sulcha party. Sulcha from the word slicha. Truce. Yes. I think that's a good word. Yes. Yes. We'll have a truce. Exactly. We'll have a truce and we'll all live happily ever together nicely, especially again, don't forget he's married to the Shaul's daughter. So he, he, belongs in the castle. He should say, come with me. I won't try. I won't like, you know, we should, I don't know, have something to eat and have something to drink. Do something to establish this recognition, this, uh, this new stage in their friendship or in their, you know, but he doesn't do that. He goes his way and he goes the other way. David doesn't, David goes back to the fortress. That means he still, still doesn't trust the guy. And she doesn't do anything to make him less suspicious he doesn't say he doesn't do, it's as if he, he doesn't maybe he doesn't even trust himself because they've been there done that so many times and maybe he doesn't even trust himself to say it's going to be different this time so he goes his way and he goes the other way the only thing they have in common that they have established is that he swore in the name of god that he won't um finish off with the with Shaul's children so it's it's a good ending but it's like still eh, you know Little little bit of a not hundred. A little bit of what? Sorry, a little like a little bit of a cliffhanger, or just like unsatisfying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also, does Shaul really think that David is going to kill Jonathan? That's what we said before. It's a it's a good question. First of all, he may have more sons and, and daughters, but. 
and that's what he says. That's what he says. Why, how come, again, we could talk about this so much more. Why would he think such a thing, really? It sounds tragic. Like, do you think it's more of a, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. No, I was just going to say, like, do you think that it's more of a formality? Like how Tahila was saying, like, people just assume, you know, that a king who's going to take over is going to immediately kill the bloodline of the former king so that there's no conflict of power or interest. So, like, was it just simply a formality or was there, like, some underlying concern, you know? But, like, <laughs> the thing is that Saul is so close with David and, like, he knew that Yonatan and David are plotting to, like, that... He knew that Yonatan would know more than he did when David wasn't there at the Rosh Chodesh meal. Like, there's so much history here. You just, I don't know, to me, it's like, right. it's such a sign of illness. Like, when you have a long history with a person and then you're paranoid about them anyway, that's, that's like, it's here, you know? It's like, he needed help, and whatever, or whatever he needed. But like, I don't know, it's just crazy. Like, there's no <laughs> rational, there's no rational explanation for it to me. You know, because it wasn't yeah, like a casual relationship with an enemy. He needed Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, it definitely says more. It says more about, about Shaul than anything. Like, uh, the fact that he could even suspect such a thing. Somebody who just, with, just like you said, like with David, that could have killed him and didn't. And the relationship that David had with Yonatan and everything. It's, it's sad that it mean it reflects more on Shaul than even on like what we said before that this is political etc. Even though it's true politically, this is what he. But he knows David, and he still thinks that he would do that political whatever is politically right when he knows David and Yonatan were so close and everything that has to do with David. He still suspects him. It shows more about where I agree. It shows more where Shaul is than like what would be what should be assumed that would happen in the future. And also, poor Yonatan. I mean, we knew that Yonatan put his life in line for David. So, and Shaul knew that, and he was upset at Yonatan, his son, that was so much uh, pro-David. And he doesn't think that it's, it sounds like he doesn't think it's mutual. Like, poor Yonatan. He, he thinks, he knows, he knows that Yonatan loves David more than anything in the world, and he would put his life for him. But he doesn't think it's mutual. He doesn't think that David would spare Yonatan if it comes to it. Wow. What, what's Yonatan supposed to think? Luckily, Yonatan probably isn't there. He's not there chasing after the video. Probably by everybody in the it was uh, better for everybody to, uh, that Yonatan would not come and be put in this conflict. Yeah. Tov, Beseder. So I think, uh, I mean, it's eight o'clock, so I think we'll end here. Have Yigal Ben Baruch, family Thank name. Thank you so much. Um, Benigal, Amit, Amit, Ben Baruch, family name Benigal, in mind. Um, yes. Baruch Hashem, that today we don't have such a things. I mean, the, our enemies are, are, it's clear that our enemy is other people, other nations that are against us. And we don't have like in Navi here that, that one Jew can be against, that David could be suspected to kill Shaul and Shaul is running and chasing after David and he would kill him and he killed so many in the way. We're not there. Hope to be back. To, I mean, wanna, we pray to have Mashiach because we want to have Bet Mikdash, but we're, we're so not there. Like, in the fact that one is, we had only one incident when Igal Amir killed, his name was Igal, Igal Amir killed our, our uh, former prime minister, uh, Yitzhak Rabin, and that was like the biggest shock and the biggest trauma. And that's it. That was one incident. 
It's, it's very rare. So, Baruch Hashem, in that sense, I'm glad we're not in times of Navi and that we should, it should become better and be- better. We should be like in, like in Navi, like in Shmuel, but on the higher, like without all the, all those things of like killing and everything. Our only death should be like, you know, the only thing should be like in a true battle with enemies and not with, Chas we should only see victories, but I'm saying not you against you. Amen. Amen. So. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tehila. You're so nice you. Thank you, Tehila. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Love Bye. you, guys. Bye. It was good. Good. I needed this. Thanks. Do you guys want to take five minutes before we start next class? Yeah, wait, Esther, I have to hop off, but I just wanted to say hello. Good to see you. You too. What did you say? So good to see your face. You too. I mean, virtually. (laughs) You too. How are you feeling? Great, thank God. I've been very lucky. (laughs) Yeah? But yeah, it looks like I'm going to be in South Africa for a while, so that was a little unexpected. But yeah. Do you guys want to take like a few minutes? Or are you ready to hop right in? Okay. I'll do a little intro and we can start. If anyone wants to take a little break, I totally get that. Um, Let me share my screen. It's the first thing I'm going to do. One second. Let me open up my document. Here we go. Okay, let me just get it. Awesome, yay. You guys could see that, right? Yep. Yep. Amazing. I wanna see, okay, awesome. So we're gonna start, let me give an introduction. This is my Amr class. First of all, happy Lagba Amr to everybody. Very, very fitting that we're going to learn some chassidus um, for Lag Bimer. It's not Lag Bimer anymore for me. I'm in South Africa. It's nighttime already. But for, I think for most of you, with your time zone, it still is. So this is really the best way that we can be celebrating today with all our parades, either virtual or canceled. And, you know, so celebrating Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's yard site by learning the deeper meanings of the Torah, which he introduced to the world, is very, very fitting. So it's very exciting. We're starting a new mimer a new Hasidic discourse today, um, which is going to prepare us for Shavuot, which is coming up in three weeks, please God. So we finished the mimer last week on Lag Bomer, and now we're going to start another mimer, which is called, as you can see here, um, I sent it. I don't know if everybody got it. So, so I've got it on the board. If anyone wants for next class to have it printed out who didn't get it, let me know. I could, you can give me your email. I can get it sent to you if you want to follow inside. Um, it's called the Kol Ha'am Ro'im Etakolot Vogomer. This is a quote from Parshat Yitro, which is in the middle of the story of when the Jewish people got the Torah. We're learning about Matan Torah. And it is, so basically the title is Hachidoshom Matan Torah, something new that we learn about Matan Torah. We're going to learn some very, very, very cool insights in this mimer. I'm very excited to start it. Um, Hopefully we'll be finished it by Tuesday in three weeks, right before Shavuot. That's the plan. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview before we jump in. So as I said, the Kol Ha'am Ro'im Etakolot is speaking about that all the people, all the Jewish people, when they were standing at Mount Sinai, saw Hakolot, they saw the sounds, they saw the thunder, and the rest of the Pasuk is, and they heard the lightning. Um, let me just, I have it here, here, here. I'm going to just read you the rest of it. The Kol Ha'am Etakolot Ve'etalopidim, they saw the thunder and the lightning. Viet Kol Ha'shofar, and the voice of the shofar, the etahar ashan, and the mountain was smoking. And the people saw it, and they moved backwards. This is a little bit of the context. It's in the middle of when the Jews were getting their seretati brought, and it's right before the Jewish people actually um, kind of freaked out, I guess you can say, and said, Moshe, we can't hear God speaking to us anymore. We can't handle it. We need to hear it from you. That's where this comes in. This mimer is going to start with the, it says p'ticha here, which means the opening and introduction. Um, the Alter Rebbe style with his ma'amarim. This is, this. sorry, I don't know if I said that. This is a um, mimer from Torah R, as it says here, which is the Alter Rebbe's ma'amarim, Hasidic discourses. And as we know, he opens it up usually with a question. I mean, almost always he opens it up with a question. What's different here actually is that this introduction has a question and the answer. But as we've said before, we're very lucky that we're Chabad and the Alter Rebbe goes into elaboration to explain to us what his answer actually is. So usually there's a question and then we go sort of off topic to understand deeper meanings of Hasidus, different concepts, so that we can understand the answer. But here actually, interestingly, and I haven't seen this a lot in Torah R, the Alter Rebbe gives us the question and the answer in the introduction. We're not going to have a clue what the answer really means. Then we're going to learn um, different ideas. And hopefully by the end of it, it'll all come together and we'll be able to understand the answer. So the introduction is starting with a question on this Pasuk, which is that all the Jewish people, all the people saw the sounds, um, and the sound, they heard the sound of the shofar. So what the, what the introduction is going to ask about is actually we're going to speak about the shofar. We're going to try and understand why was it necessary for there to be a shofar, a ram's horn, blown specifically at this time, specifically at Matan Torah? And the question that's asked here is really, we're, we're basically coming with the premise that apparently there needed to be some sort of musical introduction. There's a whole theater going on here, right? They're seeing the sounds, there's smoke, and there's, so to speak, sounds, there's music. And, this is, and we're trying to understand why the shofar. Shofar is not really, um, you know, a beautiful musical instrument, right? It's just two, it's one simple sound. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that when somebody hears a shofar, as we know from the context of Rosh Hashanah when we blow it, it instills fear in people. So how is this like a musical accompaniment to Matan Torah? That's basically the question that's going to be asked. The main topic that we're really going to be discussing in this mamar is the next few chapters which, as I said, in, seem to be not connected to the question. But in those few chapters, we're really, really going to understand some beautiful insights on what happened specifically at Matantara. What was the chidush? What was new about Matantara? We're going to ask a few questions, and we're going to really get a good understanding, I hope. Um, so it's, and then, hopefully, once we understand that, we're going to go back... Um, we're going to go back to this question and understand it. The answer that's given here, we're going to read it inside in the introduction, but we're not going to focus too much on it because, as I said, not so understood right now. 
we're going to understand certain ideas in the next few chapters, and then we'll hopefully go back and understand it. The answer that's given is that even though the shofar is a simple sound, you know, not a beautiful violin or, you know, different harmonies going together, it's a simple sound. It also instills fear. It actually is sourced in what we call tanuk, which is pleasure. And tanuk, pleasure in chasidut is considered very, very high levels of godliness and very high levels in general because it, if, surpasses intellect and understanding right when you ask when somebody has a pleasure for something it's not really they can't explain it to you it's it's much higher than that so god's time no god's pleasure um is a very very high level and what we're gonna see is that the shofar draws down this level of godliness and that was necessary for matan torah that's the answer okay we're very lucky as i said that we're chabad chasidim and we don't just say oh you know, we learned something from the Alter Rebbe and now we're inspired, which is a beautiful thing, but we are going to go deeper into it and understand it so we can really understand what this is meaning. So we're going to start reading inside the introduction because I would like to go through the whole mimer inside so we can really own it. Um, but again, it's going to give the questions, going to give the answer, and then we're going to go um, to another kind of topic in the next chapter. Okay. Again, if anyone um, gets stuck on a word, wants me to repeat something, please let me know. We're starting on the first um, here. This is the quote, and all the people saw the sounds, saw the thunder of Etelepidim and the lightning. And they heard the sound of the shofar, etc. The etc. is and the, and the mountain was smoking and the people backed away. Okay. We want to understand why there was the sound of the shofar at Matan Torah. Because they needed uh, an instrument of music. So why was this the instrument of music? And in addition, is there not a klizemer, a musical instrument, that would be better than this, right? When you hear the shofar, you don't burst into dancing or think, wow, this is a beautiful melody. Um, couldn't they have found something better, right? It's a good question. Hainyan, the idea is, the, the sound of the shofar is a kol pashut, it's a simple sound, it's one sound. It's not going up and down in mixtures, it's just one blast of a sound. That's the first thing. And it instills fear. That's the second thing. These are two characteristics of the shofar. This is a sound of trembling. As it is written, this is um, from Tanakh, from Nach, from Navi. Im shofar. Is it possible that they will blow the shofar ba'ir in a city? And the people will not tremble. This is proving to us, right, that the shofar instills fear and trembling. But ken and we see this in Matan Torah itself when it's describing the shofar ksiv. It is written, vayahi kolot of rakim, and there were sounds, there were the thunder, and there was the lightning. The kol shofar chazak ma'od, and the sound of the shofar was very strong, the yichared v'gomer, and they trembled. So again, this doesn't seem like an appropriate musical instrument and accompaniment to Matan Torah. What is going on? Okay. Achal kol but despite all of this, despite the fact that it's a simple sound, so it's not a very enjoyable, pleasant thing to listen to, and it instills fear, not you know, we don't enjoy being fearful. Nikra shofar, the shofar is called al shem shiprul ma sechem. 
It's called this name, Shofar. The root of it is Shipru Masechem. Improve your actions. Shipru Lishapar means to improve and to beautify. That is where the word Shofar comes from. And we know that um, every word in Lashon um, Kodesh, when we look at its source, and it has a deep meaning. So, Shipru Masechem Shehu Hamam This means that it draws down pleasure. Shipru Lishapar to beautify. It also has something to do with pleasure. It draws down pleasure. Shebova al that through the shofar, nimshach lamata, it is drawn down, lihiyot hitavut tanuk, to be the creation of pleasure. Ki hu bebchinat makar hatanugim, because the shofar is from what we call the source of pleasure. So even though you don't hear a shofar and think, wow, I'm really enjoying this right now, it's something even above that. It's the source of all pleasure, okay? And specifically, this drawing down was necessary for Matan Torah. From the aspect of because with you is the source of life. So the source of pleasure was being drawn down in Matan Torah. means the source of all pleasures. Okay. If you're confused right now, that's okay. As we said, we're very lucky that we're going to, we're going to elaborate on this. Um, and hopefully by the end, we're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. But actually, what I really want you to get out of this mimer is the next three chapters that we're going to learn. Because it's going to say, okay, in order to understand this, in order to understand why we needed a shofar for Matan Torah, first we have to understand, this is the style of Al-Tarabi, what's Matan Torah, right? Because once we understand that, maybe we can understand um, the answer to the question. So chapter one is going to go into asking a few questions about Matan Torah. There are questions that you might not have thought of, but once you do hear them, they're kind of obvious. So the main question really is, why did Matan Torah specifically have to happen now? Right? There were righteous people for many, many generations before Matan Torah, before the Jewish people were at this stage, right? There was Adam, right? There was Hanoch, who was a descendant of Adam, who we know was very, very righteous. Noah, right? We can, we can list righteous people who existed before this time. Why wasn't the Torah given to them? Why specifically now? So we have the question of why to these people and also why at this time specifically? We're going to go into that and try and understand that. And what this chapter is going to go into, it's a little bit like going on, I guess you can call them tangents, excuse my, uh, you know, the altar is not going on tangents, but basically we're going to ask that question, right? Why did Matan Torah have to happen now? Why did it have to be given to these people specifically? Uh, weren't there people worthy of it before, right? A very obvious candidate that we could think of is Avraham, who we're going to learn about here now. Avram Avinu, our father, our forefather Avram, it said about him that he kept the entire Torah. And he was a very, very, very righteous person. Why didn't God, God give him the Torah? Why was God waiting for now? So that's our biggest question that we're going to deal with in this chapter. And the altar is going to say, in order to understand why Avram Avinu could not get the Torah, we have to understand what was the avodah of Avram Avinu. We have to understand how did Avram serve God? And once we understand that, we can understand what was new and what was introduced to the world with Matan Torah, with the Torah and the mitzvot. And then we can really understand why it had to be given now. 
So this chapter is going to explain to us in depth, in real, real detail, about the idea of the service of Avram Avinu, how Avram Avinu served God. The first thing we need to know is that even though it's brought down that Avram kept the whole Torah, um, he kept the whole Torah, we have a very obvious question. There's certain things in the Torah that he couldn't possibly have kept, right? For example, um, the, the Alter Rebbe's son, the Metzal Rebbe, he brings explanations on this memory and he brings the example of giving Ma'asrot, Shremot and Ma'asrot to the Levim and the Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash, right? There was no Beis HaMikdash, there were no Levim. How could he have done this, right? There were, and you could think of many mitzvot that, how could Avram have accomplished them? How could we say that Avram kept the whole Torah? And the answer to that, <clears throat> it's brought down, is that Avram kept the whole Torah spiritually. He did all the mitzvot, but spiritually, not physically. And we know that there are instances of physical actions that the Avot, our forefathers, did that were physical. Um, a famous example is that Yaakov, it's said about Yaakov that he put on tefillin. How did he put on tefillin? That's physical. And that's another whole section of Hasidut that deals, that speaks about Shavuot, which explains to us that, and we're going to actually delve into it a little later, that he, he did put on tefillin, right? But he used sticks. And those sticks, once, Okay. This one? Okay. These, these sticks that he, that he put on, once he was finished with the daily tefillin, they were thrown out. The physicality was not able to be elevated at this point. So even if there were certain mitzvot that our forefathers even did physically, it was a very, very different type of avodah. So we're, we're specifically dealing with Avraham. We're not going to speak about Yitzchak and Yaakov. But the example and blueprint of Avraham Avinu's service, we, we do see with the, our other forefathers. We're going to go into that in detail. I'm, I'm going to give a little explanation before I start reading inside this whole paragraph just so we know what's going on. But between, between the readings, I'm going to also bring in some more explanations. Um, the, entire, the entire service of Avram Avinu, the way that he served God, is going to be compacted into one pasuk that is brought down about Avram. That is, I'm going to find it here in the... Yeah. Um, it's online. One, two, three, four. It says right here. Um, Avram Haita, so Hinemalat Avram Haita, Haloch Venasor Hanegba. It says about Avram in Breshit that he was Haloch, he was walking Venasor and traveling Hanegba south. And we're going to look at how Kabbalah and how Hasidus translates this pasuk to really understand ex all the details of how Avram um, served God. So Haloch Venasor, again, I'm saying this outside, we're going to go inside in more detail. I just want to give it a little bit outside before we go in. Haloch v'nasoa hanegba. Haloch v'nasoa is what we call the avodah of ratzor v'shov. Of going up, of running from the word ratz and returning. Let me just see. Does anyone, can anyone, if anyone's brave, want to give me what, the, what they have understood or learned before about this concept of ratzor v'shov that's brought down in Kassadis a lot? Um, I think that it's, I've heard a couple different perspectives, but I think one of them is the one perspective I remember hearing, I think is the rebellion and then coming back, um, to 
to the ways of the Torah. And then there's the other perspective, which is running to God, um, kind of in this enthusiastic way. I'm thinking right now of our own sons. That's right. And then Shav is, is kind of just being grounded and serving Hashem in a more grounded way. That's beautiful. Who was speaking? I can't Chayalea. see. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Chayla. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really beautiful explanation. Exactly. And that example you brought is the example that's brought down in Hasidus for Ratzo, that Aaron's sons, Nadav and Havihu, had too much of what we call Ratzo. So Ratzo is this level or service of God that is what we call running. It's the idea of our soul being compared to fire. It's a burning desire and love of God. And fire, we know that the characteristic of fire and the nature of fire is to go up to go up to its source, source of fires above. And so too, our neshama, when it's in a state of ratso, of running, is in a state where it just wants to be with God. It, it's yearning and desiring to be one with God. And that's that passion, that fiery passion and that desire. And then shav is what we call returning. It's a much, it's what we, it's, we describe it as fire and water. The fire is the ratso, the burning desire to be with God. And then mayim, water, it's much more cold, right? Water is cold. It's calculated. It's in the mind, not the heart. It's saying, wait a second. I want to be with God. My soul wants to leave the physical limitations of this world and just be one with God. But what does God want? God wants me to be down here. So I've got to stick down here, right? Suffer through this world, um, get through it. And because that's what God wants, right? That's not what our soul wants. Our soul wants to be up there constantly. So there's this constant sort of, going on, there's this, the constant, I guess you could call it like a fight, but we're going to see that they work together. Um, of, of, on the one hand, this burning desire to leave, of the soul to leave the body and to be one with God. And on the other hand, this coolness and this understanding of God wants me to be down here. I've got to stay down here. Avram Avinu, he was, first of all, um, the first one to serve God and to recognize God. And this is how he served God. With these two um, with these two attitudes at the same time, with the burning desire, which we call the fire, and then with the water, with the coming back down. And what we're going to understand about this specific Ratz of Ashov, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it inside, outside now, but we're really going to go into it in more depth inside. So if, if you feel like I'm going a little fast, we're definitely going to go over this. Um, I just don't want it to be totally new to you when we're reading it inside and maybe focusing on the Hebrew. So there's this idea of the fire and the burning passion, right, that Avram Avinu had, and it said about the Malachim, that they are also rats v'shav, that they're running, they have these two aspects as well. The malachim, the way the angels, the way that they serve God is also with these two different pulling energies and different avodot. On the one hand, they're, they're called um, srafim, some certain angels, which means burning up. They're burning up with the desire of God. They intellectually understand how great God is and they just want to be one with God, but then they're returning. And the uniqueness of this specific Ratz of that we're going to speak about, we're going to speak about it in later chapters, I'm just going to mention it briefly now, is that there's the fire, there's the Ratzah, there's the burning desire in the heart, and then there's the water that comes and kind of, you know, what does water do? It extinguishes the fire. It keeps, it brings us back down. But the, this specific water that brings it back down is not enough to fully eradicate the fire, to fully extinguish the fire. So it, you know, takes it out, lessens the excitement, so to speak, but then the fire burns up again. And then the water comes again. So there's this constant, constant sort of battle um, between the two. And while this was happening, again, we're speaking about the Avodah of Avraham, and this is how Avraham served God. 
So he was going up and up and up and up in levels as this happened. He had the ratso and then he had the shu, which kind of, you know, stopped it in its tracks. But then the ratso would come again and then the shu would come back down. And so when it says that he was haloch v'nasoa, the haloch is referring to the ratso and the nasoa is referring to the shuv, the fire and the water, the heart and the mind. But as he was doing this, he was progressing. As it says, haloch v'nasoa, he was moving and traveling. He was going up and up and up and in levels of godliness until Hanegba, Haloch Vanasoa Hanegba to the south. What's the south? Kabbalah teaches us, the Zohar says that Hanegba is referring to the right. It says in Tehillim, I've got the Safun Vayamin Atabaratam, speaking about God. Safon is the north, Yamin is the right, Atabarasam, you created. So it doesn't say the north and the south you created, it says the north and the right. And it's brought down because when somebody faces the Mizrach, he, um, the, the south, so the Negba is on his right. So it's brought down in Kabbalah that Negba, the Negev, the south, is referring to the right. What does right represent in Chassidot? Who can tell me? The right and the left. Chesed and Kabbalah. That's right. I, I don't know who said that. Who, who said Jordan. That? Oh, thank you, Jordan. Um, exactly. The right represents chesed. What do we know about Avram? Avram, his, the epitome of his avodah was chesed, right? We know that Avram was chesed. Uh, Yitzchak was gevura. Chesed is kindness. Uh, it's also the side of ahava, love. And the left side is, is known as the gevura. Avram epitomizes serving God through chesed. And he got to this level of hanegba through halach banasov, through the rats of Ashov. We're going we're gonna to see it inside and it'll become a little bit more clear. Um, we're going to start reading in a moment. But that's basically what this um, entire first chapter, which I want to finish today, is explaining. It's explaining to us the Avodah of Avram. Because once we understand the Avodah of Avram, the spiritual service of Avram, of God, then we're going to understand, wait, so how does this apply to us? And how, what did Matan Torah change? And that's going to come in the next few chapters. So this Hanegba is referring to the Chesed. It says about Avram that he was a Merkava for Chesed. A Merkava means a chariot. And when it's brought down a Merkava in, um, in Chasidot, it's referring to Bittul, to nullification, because a chariot is totally nullified to the whims of the driver or to the horse, for example. It's total nullification to something above it, what we call Bittul. And Avram reached the state of being totally given over to the chesed, to the attribute of chesed of godliness, to the point that he was a vessel for it. And he became the channel of chesed to all the Jewish people forever. So the, the, our forefathers are the ones who kind of like shaped the souls of the Jewish people. Every single one of them had a very, very big influence on how our souls are made up. And Avram is what we call a channel of chesed. Uh, Merkava of Chesed. And he reached this level, which is a huge level. He had to be totally, totally not feel himself and be on such high spiritual levels that he can retain and channel down into the world the attribute of Chesed of God. And he achieved this level through Ratzobashov, through Haloch Vanasoa. So we're going to look inside now um, and hopefully understand it more. Does anyone have any questions before we go inside to chapter one? I guess not. Again, please stop me if, if you're into getting all the words down. 
something wasn't clear, um, I can handle it, don't worry. So, Paragallop, chapter one. Obir Inyan Zet, to understand, to explain this idea. Again, we're trying to, to understand why there was a shofar at Matan Torah, what's this idea of drawing down the essence of Tanug, of pleasure, in order for there be, to be Matan Torah. So to understand this, the altar will be saying, we need to understand. First, we need to understand Inyan Matan Torah, the idea of Matan Torah. What is Matan Torah? Shahare, that's since Gam Kode Matan Torah, also, before Matan Torah, they were righteous people and they were prophets, right? Good question. Why now? Why not to all these righteous people who served God in the past? Come on, Adam Harishon, like Adam, the first person. Chanoch, who was a descendant of Adam, who it says about him that, that he, he was from the level of Torah. He was from a very, very, very high level. Meshushelach, um, who was the grandfather of Noach. He was the longest living human being ever. I think he lived 900 and if anyone knows, they can let me know. Don't remember exactly how many years he lived, but he's the longest recording living human being uh, ever. And he was also a very righteous person. The Avram, right? Abraham, he, Kiyem, Kolha Torah, he kept the entire Torah. Gam Adshelon Nithna, even though it hadn't been given yet. Moshe Kosov, as it says, the Yishmar Mishmaratai, and he kept my guardianses. He, he kept my mitzvot, my Torah. That's what it said about Avram. But Avram kept the Torah only in Ruchniot, only spiritually, not physically. Um, so that's Esther? our question. Yes. Um, Google says he was 969, just for uh, the record. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nora. 969. That's a long time. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, why didn't God give the Torah to these people? Especially what we're going to focus on is why didn't God give the Torah to Avram? Um, so, we're going to say, that's the first kind of question. The, the next question is, what change was there in giving the Torah physically. If there were already people who served God and who kept the Torah spiritually, why did we need a physical Torah? Why did we need a Torah that with mitzvah that can only be fulfilled physically? Good question, right? And that we're going to delve into in, if I'm not mistaken, chapter three. What was specific about the physicality that we needed? Um, so we've got these two questions. Why now? Why was the Torah given now? And why did the Torah need to be given different to how people kept the Torah, the Avot, our forefathers kept the Torah before. Ach, however, Hinimalat Avram, the advantage of Avram, the greatness of Avram, Haita was Halach Venasoa Hanegba. This is what we spoke about. The fact that he would go and he would travel to the south. This is what is said about Avram. What does this mean on a deeper level? Shenasa Bechinat Merkava Lebchinat Negba, that he was made into a chariot to the aspect of Negba. Okay, again, what does that mean? Negba, we said, is chesed. The south is the right. The right is chesed. The right is ahava, is love. And he, um, through his avodah of haloch v'nasoa, which we're going to go into detail now about what haloch v'nasoa is, he reached this level of Negba, of becoming totally given over 
to the attribute of God's kindness, to the point that he can become a channel to the rest of the world and draw it down. Okay. But until he was made into a Merkava, until he attained this extremely high level of becoming a chariot, Ooh, I haven't been recording. I just realized. Sorry, guys. The Achanasa Merkavaya Hayat Tamid Bechinat Haloch Benasoa. Until he was able to reach his really, really high level of becoming totally given over to God's attribute of Chesed, he was in a state of what we call Haloch Benasoa. What does this mean? Dahainu. This means Bechinat Ratso Veshuv. Running, going up, Veshuv, and returning. And this is in um, parentheses, which is going to speak about the angels. Rak degabe chayota merkava, the animals of the merkava. Merkava was a vision that's referring to here of Yecheskel, the prophet Yecheskel. I'm not going to go too into detail about this parentheses. Ksivit is written, vahachayos, and the angels, ratzovashov. They're also ratzovashov. They're also in this state of burning up and returning. Omadregat avram haitalamalamahem. And this level that avram reached was even above them. It's called Haloch Benasoa, and he managed to reach the state of becoming a Merkava for the Negba for Chesed. Now we need to understand what is Ratzov That's on the next page. Umau inyan Ratzov What is Ratzov What was this Avodah that, that Avram had to the point that he could reach this, this level? Hinexiv, behold, it is written, Ose Shalom Bimramav. He who makes peace above. And this is referring to the fact that there is the angel Michael, who represents um, water. And there's the angel Gavriel, who represents fire. There's, sorry, sorry, Michael, who represents Chesed, and Michael, who represents Gvura, uh, which is Eish Mayim. Mayim is Chesed, and Eish, fire, is Gvura. Mayim is flows, it constantly giving and flowing, and Aish is much more contracting, burns everything up in its way. So when we say, we're going to go, the last paragraph deals more with this pasuk. We say it every day at the end of Shmonasri, when we take three steps back. It's referring to the fact that God makes peace on high between these two very, very great angels, the angel of fire, the angel of water. What's fire and water? We're going to understand. Ratzo is fire, as we mentioned. Mayim is Shav, and God makes peace between them. But first, we need to understand what both of these are, what both of these elements represent in serving God. And it says, We know that the nature of water is usually to extinguish fire, but on high, there exist these two forces at the exact same time of fire and water. And unlike down here, one does not extinguish the other. They are constantly existing together. That's what's, what it's referring to when it says, Belichora, seemingly, ain't a move on. How? It's not understood. How can we say that above there is fire and water? What is this referring to? And what do we mean that the water is extinguishing the fire to the point that God needs to make peace between them? What's going on over here? What is this referring to? But the idea is like this. What is fire and water above in the service of God, in spiritual terms? What are we talking about? Because as we said, Avram served God spiritually on spiritual planes. So we've got to understand what this means spiritually. 
And then we're going to start understanding in the next chapter what this means for us in our Avodah. But right now we're speaking in spiritual terms. That fire and water represent. They represent these two services of God. The idea of Ratzo running toward God, Veshov, and returning. So now we're going to understand first the idea of Ratzo. Now we're going to go into deal what is Ratzo. And Alter is going to explain to us what this means. And how we can attain Ratzo, actually. The Alter here brings us some, some meditations, so to speak, um, that can lead us to the state. Um, I don't know specifically us, but it definitely goes into detail here. So, the Kanoda, and it is known, Sheyesod Haesh Belev, that the element of fire is in the heart. Passion, love, right? In the heart. Fire is in the heart. Shasham, that there, that within the heart, in the heart, had Simon Bechinat Ratso. There is this thirst, which is the aspect of Ratso. Because as we said, what is Ratso? What's this, what's this service of God? It's a thirst. It's a desire for God. As it says, this is a quote from Tanakh, if your heart runs, specifically your heart, and from here we learn, this level of running toward God is is in your heart. That's where, that's where it resides. What does this mean? This means, sorry, Bina, is, resides in the heart. What does this mean? We have Chachma and we have Bina and we have Das. We're not going to um, talk about Das here. But Chachma is uh, what we call, um, you know, it's defined in different ways, but like a flash of insight. It's a, a knowing without an elaboration. Um, it could be called an intuition. And Bina is taking that knowledge or that flash of inspiration or that intuition and elaborating on it and understanding it. So this understanding is also uh, according to Hasidur, who resides in the heart. What does this mean? That in order to attain a level of Ratzo, one needs to contemplate on God. Once the angels, or Avraham, or as we see, us, contemplate on God, and specifically contemplate on how far God is from us, and how elevated God is, or how low we are, but that doesn't really speak about that here a little bit, how low this world is basically, and how far it is from God, and how this entire world is only a tiny, tiny ray of God's essence, then what's the automatic response of the soul? Oh my goodness, God is so great. God is so amazing. I'm so far from God. Feeling far leads to thirst, leads to a desire to be close. And that's the idea of Ratzor. It is attained through Bina, through understanding, through contemplation of godliness. What contemplation? We're going to see inside now. Shayasim al that he should put on his heart. Be'it bonen, and he should contemplate. Be'gdulat ein sof baruchu, in the greatness on the infinity of the Blessed One, of God. Shekmo ken hu ein lo sof ve'en lo tachlis, that he doesn't have an end and he doesn't have a beginning. Sof and tachlis both mean end. But usually when you refer to that something doesn't have an end, doesn't have a beginning, because anything that has a beginning has an end. So it's contemplating on God's infinity. Rak hodu al aretz, it's only a ray on the land. This world only is only made up of a tiny, tiny ray of God as he is. So when we contemplate on that and how far this world is from God in his essence, and how infinite God is compared to this totally finite world, whoa, this can lead to ratzo. What else? What else can we contemplate on and your kingship is a kingship of all the worlds we know that this world was created from malchus 
right? There was God and it went through many, 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 many contractions until the level of God's malchus. From the malchus, that's where the physicality started being created. Malchus means kingship. God as he is as a king. A king needs a nation, needs people, needs others. So once we're saying God's a king, we're recognizing our own existence, the very low level of God. Because when you think of higher levels of God, we don't exist there. We don't exist. We don't mean anything to God on those levels. So the level of God that keeps these worlds in, uh, in existence is the level of Malchus, which is a much lower level of God than what God really is. Shekol alamim, that all of the worlds, their life and their sustenance, and they're bringing into being from nothing into something is only from God's Malchus from God's kingship. They say about a king, Hasidus brings about a king, that a king, um, to the people, he represents, he's just a king. They don't see him as he is, they see him as their king. But really what made the king be able to be the king? Uh, it said at his seichel, that he's very, very, very smart. And I don't know, today we, you know, we don't really have kings um, so much, and whoever we do have in power is not necessarily way smarter than everybody else, but, in Hasidus, a real king is somebody who's head and shoulders above the people. But the people see the king, they relate to the king as he relates to them on a lower level than what the king actually represents. So, that this is just a ray of God. This is just a little, little tiny um, peek into what God really is, his kingship. His spreading out to the other. God is now on the level of Malchus acknowledging us, right? And the fact that he's doing that, as I mentioned, is we're referring to a much lower level of God than what he is. So basically this contemplation, we see the, the theme that's going through all of it is how far we are from God as he is, from God's essence, right? That we do not even touch his essence. Why? Because God is Kadosh. Kadosh means holy, sanctified. It's brought that Kadosh means separate. Kedusha means separation. God is moved on together on. He's separated from the limitations of the world. He's not on the aspect of Mamale, and not on the level of Sovet. Mamale is how God, God's energy, is contracted to relate to the world. And Sovet is God's energy as it surrounds and encompasses the world. These are two levels of God and God is even above both of these levels. That through this, through these contemplations, basically, as we said, through contemplating about how the world is just a little ray of God's essence and we don't, we, we don't see God as he is, his soul will go up. To be included, and to be nullified, excuse me, the metziat, totally, sorry, but are in soft baruch in the light, in the infinite rays of light, of God's light, literally, the dveka bamamish, to stick to him completely. When a person contemplates on these things, or when angels contemplate on these things, really, 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 what it brings out is this desire to be one with God, which means to leave this world, because as we said, all these, all these, contemplations were basically just emphasizing the limitations of this world 
So when he thinks, oh my gosh, this world is so limited and so far from God, he wants to just leave it. And there's something that we call klois hanefesh. It's not brought down here. Klois hanefesh means expiration of the soul. And this is actually a state that, that through these kind of contemplations, people have actually, very, very righteous people have actually reached this level. Nadav and Aviu, who we brought down an example of them. It's Hasidus explains to us that they basically, they were, they they died because of Klos HaNefesh because they just couldn't handle being in their bodies anymore. They just wanted to be one with God. And so their souls left. So this is what happens when this is, this is what this Ratzo is supposed to awaken, this burning, burning desire to leave the limitations of this world and be one with God. And therefore the angels are what we say Ratzo V'Shov. They have this level of Ratzo and then this level of Shov. What gives the angels this level of ratso? Because angels are, so to speak, how to put this, um, intellectual spiritual beings. Their entire existence is, for, is one of like understanding God, each angel on its own level. And as we said, these understandings of God causes every creature, including angels who are much higher than us, to want to leave its own limitations and be one with God. So they're in this constant level of ratso and then they have this hachayos, Because through what the angels understand, because of the chayos, the energy that's drawn down to these angels, that is drawn down to them, from the holiness of God as he is in his infinity, that he doesn't have a beginning and an end. So the life force of the angels is drawn down from God's infinity. They are burning up in this aspect of what we call ratzo. They're burning up with a desire to be with God because they are constantly contemplating on how great God is and how infinite God is, and they just want to be one with God. Because it says, um, there's a pasuk that says that she is walking between the angels, and it's referring to he, it's a, female, what's it talking about here? It's talking about the chayut that we mentioned above. This energy that sustains the angels is walking among them. And this energy also wants to be, this, the, we don't have to, you know, go into too much detail. The Mitzlerab explains what, what the altar was referring to here is that this energy that's sustaining the angels also wants to return to its source and be one with God. Because we said, where does this energy come from? It comes from God's infinity. So it just wants to go back. So what does it mean that it's going among the chayot? Shachayot hanimshach lehem, that this energy that is drawn down to the angels, he, he, this, she is what? It's also constantly in this, in this um, state of wanting to return to its source. Liyot to be, it says, this is a passage that's saying that to your husband, you will desire. They are desiring to be one again with God. To be totally nullified and consumed. In God's infinity. Like a burning torch that goes up from it. Okay, so this is trying to explain to us the idea of Ratsa. Okay, goes on a few different, you know, little um, goes and explains to us about the angels and how the angels also have their ratso. But basically what's ratso? Ratso comes from Bina. Comes from an understanding of how far 
we are and the world in general every level of the world not just this world all the worlds are far from are from god's infinity and when one contemplates on that and understands that it leads them to this desire to leave the limitations leave the concealments of godliness and be one with god himself that's ratso um we have final minutes we're going to read about shov now What's this idea of shof? What happens after we have this ratso? So we'll continue. Does anyone have any questions on that other, that, this previous paragraph? I know it went into a lot of little quotes and details. Does anyone have any questions or translations that they missed? Okay, we're going to continue. Now, what's shof? I hope that ratso is clear. Ach, however, acharkach heim b'chinat shof. This was referring to the angels. We said that the angels had ratso, a burning desire to be with God that comes through understanding how far they are from it. Afterwards, they are returning. As it says, If your heart is running, if you're in a state of ratso, return to the one, return to the one. The one here is referring to the a level of God that's beyond understanding. Return to God and God's desire. What's God's desire? That there should be a world, that there should be limitations. And Chassidah speaks about that a lot, the idea of dear that's what God desired. God desired that we should exist within this limited reality to bring God down here. So even though our soul desires the opposite, it desires constantly to return to its source, return, it's saying here, shuv lechad, return, stay, stay in your body, stay in the world. And this aspect of shuv, it is from the element of water in the brain. We said that ratsa resides in the heart and it's a level of love and desire, burning love, right? Shuv is the opposite. It resides in the brain. The brain is calculated and cold and it's a level of water. It's the level of chachma, the power of what, right? We said it's something that's beyond... Um, step-by-step -step understanding. So we said that Ratzo is the level of Bina, contemplation, it's in the heart, it's fire. And as we're learning here, Shov is a, resides in the brain, <coughs> it's water, it's cold, and it's level of Chochmah, beyond I, understanding. I, sorry, I just have one question. Um, I'm a little bit confused because I thought Gevura is usually strength and precision and calculation. So, and then you're comparing Gevura in the heart, which is fire. Um, and I thought chesed is usually like love and that's that's more like compared to, to water. So I feel like the elements, I'm getting lost with the elements. Hmm. Kind it's of. actually a very good question. Yeah. It's a very good question. Um, I didn't even think about that. That usually gavura is referred to as, as uh, fire. So what's interesting is actually we're going to go into chesed and gvura, and the chesed belongs to um, the water, and the gvura refers to the fire. So if I use the words chesed and gvura, I shouldn't have. I'm sorry if I did. Um, ahava is the level of fire in a way, we know, because ava and the heart is a, is a level of aish. But actually what we're going to see when we go into the next chapter is that the aish that we're referring to here in the heart is, is we're going to see it's um, actually aligned with the Gvura and the Mayim is aligned with the Chesed. So does that answer your question? 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. I think I do yeah. see how like, how if you would make a tablet, it would might not all line up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gavora so is I, my strength. So I like lining up. <laughs> right, right. So that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sense of it here. Chesed and Gvora leave out of the picture for now. Okay. Okay. If, if that will help, just take Thank it out you. of your head. We have, we're talking about fire. We're talking about water. We're talking about the brain and we're talking about the heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so as we said, the fire is in the heart. I think that's quite understood, right? A fire, passion and excitement that resides in the heart. The water kind of cold, calculated resides in the brain. This is brought down in um, Tanya. Leave the chesed and gvor for now. Will that help? Because yes, thank you. Yeah. It wasn't brought down. So I might have said chesed and gvor accidentally, but like, put that aside for now, okay? We will come back to chesed and gvor. We're going to see how chesed and gvor actually fit into this box as well. Um, okay. Is that good? Yes, thank you so much. Okay, sure. Um, okay. But you're right that we are trying to kind of, I, I get how these, this needs to fit. You know, we have the ratza, heart, fire we have the shove which is the brain the water we have we said that the bina is the ratso the contemplation the chachma above understanding above contemplation is in the is um this level of shove because as it says ma pishpash, ma fishpashta maya data what do you know we're talking about a level of god now that you can't even know so even though the level that we were referring to before of the bina of the understanding was was that of knowing how far we are from God, that's still knowing God in a way. This level that we're talking about now that leads to shove is not really knowing God. It's just understanding God and God's desire, not even understanding, but God has a desire that we stay down here. I don't understand it. Our soul definitely doesn't understand it, but that's what God wants, okay? This is what it means when it says, return to the oneness, to God as he is and God's desire for us to be down here. That this level of shuv is from the aspect of echad. So there's also an understanding of God, but it's an understanding of God's desire that we be down here, nothing else. Um, so it doesn't lead to a burning desire to be with God. It's just a cold, calculated kind of resignation. I don't know if I would call it resignation, but we're going to stay down here. Okay. This level of shuv, of returning. And this level. Um, so I'm going to finish reading this sentence and I'll go back. To totally eradicate the fire. Okay. I mentioned this at the beginning. That we're speaking about a level of Ratzo and Shov. That's a continuation of one another. They kind of build up upon each other. Because again, we're speaking about Avram's spiritual service of God. And we said that it was one that was leading him from level to level. So this shuv that we're going to speak about, this water that, so to speak, extinguishes the burning passion to leave our body is not a water. It's not a level, because we're going to see that um, Kabbalah brings up there's two levels of water. It's not referring to a level of water that is powerful enough to completely extinguish the fire. It definitely calms it down, but it doesn't extinguish it completely. And then we're going to see that the fire kind of rises up again. And this is where we have this constant avodah, constant service of God, and constant at reaching new levels. So, the water that is in the brain does not quench the thirst. 
Shemir Sod Ha'esh, that is from the foundation, from, sorry, from the element of Ha'esh of the fire in the heart. It's not totally calming down this Ratzah. Liyot Machabanes Ha'esh Lagamre, to totally extinguish this fire. The Liyot Nofal Ayadezeh, Mimadrega Satsimon Vachuka Shebalev. And to totally get rid of this level of thirst and desire that is in the heart. So this level of shuv that we're talking about here, that Avram achieved, was never enough to totally extinguish the rock soul. Because yesh b'koch halev, there is within the power of the heart, gaber od b'pchinas esh b'tzimon, to get strong and to again rise up with this fire and this thirst, even after the water came. The Lahosif Madurat Esh Hashal Hevet Aza, the Yetar says, and to add pillar of fire, like a f- strong flame, in an even stronger way. So, as we said, the water comes, but it's not enough to extinguish the fire, and the fire burns up again. As it is written in Sefer Yetzira, Esh Mimayim. Fire that comes from water. This is what we're referring to here. We're referring to the fact that there is fire that can rise up even after the water has come on top of it. But come a minute, There are two types of fire. Oh, actually, yeah, we're going to speak about here the two types of fire, and later we're going to speak about two types of water. Sefer Yitzhak brings and explains that there are two types of fire. There's fire that eats and fire that drinks. I'm not going to get too into it, but basically there's a lower, less powerful level of fire, and there's a higher, more powerful level of fire. Um, we're talking about a level of fire, okay, that is not able to be totally extinguished by the water, because we're going to see also we're talking about a level of water that's not able to totally extinguish this fire. So we're basically, what we're, we're, we're trying to understand here is that there is a constant, um, and the word's leaving me, there's definitely a word for it, <laughs> Um, harmony, guess, working together of the Ratzon and Shov. They're constantly existing at the same time. As we said, Oster Shalom Bim Roma makes people up. There's the fire, there's that element, and there's the water. And they're not able to extinguish one the other. The fire is not able to totally, you know, consume the water. The water is not able to totally extinguish the fire. And this was the greatness and the characteristic of Avram This is what his avoda looked like. Sorry, I'm going to just mute. Um, constantly moving and traveling. In this aspect of Ratzo and Shov, fire and water, the burning desire to be one with God, the returning, the burning desire to be one with God, the returning to this world and what God wants of us in this world. This is what Avram Avinu's um, spiritual service of God looked like. A level of fire that is above water so that the water doesn't fully extinguish it. And water that's a, a level above the fire so that the, so that the water is able to tame the fire back down. Ad Until very, very high levels. Until he was made into a Merkava until he reached his level of being totally giving himself over to God, that he can receive, as we said, the chesed of God. So this is the level, and this is the avoda, the spiritual avoda of Avram Avinu. It's quite lofty, 
And that's what our question is going to be. That's what we're going to start off with next week with chapter two. This level of serving God is very, very lofty, right? It's very, whoa. Um, can we imagine serving God this way? How can we serve God this way? That's basically what, our, what we're going to address in um, next week's class. And the answer to that is going to be Torah and mitzvot. Specifically th through the Torah and mitzvot, we're going to be able to reach these levels as well. So we're going to speak about that next week. I'm sorry, I didn't leave time for questions. I went a little bit over time. Um, but again, if anybody wants to print out for next week, contact Rufka Maga. She said she can send it to you, okay? If you want to follow inside. Wish you all a wonderful rest of your life, Omer. And let me just stop sharing. And yeah, I feel very privileged to have been able to learn some Pnimiya Tatara with you today. And just, yeah, wishing you all a wonderful rest of the day. Bye, everyone. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Oh, leave. I always forget. Leave meeting or end meeting for all? Leave meeting. End it for everyone. Okay. Uh, I'll remember next time.